And so I'm excited you're here. I'm honored to have you. I know there's atheists every week. I know every week there's people that come with good intentions. There's people that show up here with wicked. I know there's Satanists and witches. and There's all types. You'd be shocked at who's in these tents every week. But I want you to know today that anyone that opens up their heart can have a God encounter. And I'm telling you, whether you've never heard God's voice, never sensed his presence, never experienced a miracle, this could be your day. I have faith that this is a miracle Sunday. The very fact that we had two people tell me crazy stories between services leads me to believe that this will be another ridiculous miracle Sunday. If you believe it, shout a good amen. If you're brand new to our church, I just want to say welcome. Today we're going to open up the Bible. Here at Ocean's Church, we believe that God still speaks. There's the Logos word of what God has says, but there's the Rhema word of what God is still speaking. We started a series three weeks ago. And it's interesting that out of the armor of God, there are no pants. That's for somebody. That was not what I was going to say. I was going to say, in the armor of God, that's just a joke, but in the armor of God, the only defensive weapon is the shield. And it's interesting that out of all the armor, the shield is called the shield of. I, I do believe that right now we are living in a war. where There is a cultural war going on. There is a political war going on. There is a spiritual war going on. There is a war of ideologies right now that are going on. And I'm just I'm warning you in advance, this message is going to be stronger than most. So I want you to buckle up. I love you. And I'm going to do my best to articulate God's love today. But I want to just tell you, you know, two weeks ago we talked about believing with a different type of faith. Caleb was different than the ten spies that didn't believe because he had a different type of spirit. Last week we talked about having a daring faith. We talked about truth or, and we kind of brought that, that elementary school back. And we talked about when you serve God, it's not truth or dare, it's truth and dare. God will invite you into things that you would never do by yourself. And today, I want to I stay in this vein. I was praying, and so cool. God gave me these four D words. He said, different, daring, deliberate. And then next week, I'm going to be talking about distinguished. But for now, God told me that we're going to talk about deliberate faith. And I'm going to stay in the elementary vein of uh, games we played growing up. Not spin the bottle. Come on, somebody. Sinners. I... Uh, I want to talk to you today about would you rather. Would you rather. I'm going to turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel has uh, uh, six, the first six chapters of Daniel basically talk about a 87 plus year window that one guy with his three amigos actually impact four kings, two empires, and really change the trajectory of a nation. It was basically because of the flames of the revival that hit in Hezekiah's day that these Jewish boys stood in Babylon when they could have easily crumbled and bowed. Story of Daniel I love. It's a, it's a story basically about how God can use you in a tough environment. Yes. Amen. Yes. That God can bring you to a, a, a position of prominence. That God can give you a, a way to live and work in a hostile atmosphere. That was the story of Daniel. And uh, we're going to read about chapter 6. He's now 80, they say between 83 and 87 years old. So before I go any further, I just want you to know, no one's too old to do something great for God. This is a Sunday school story, so I have to kind of just make a pre-warning. Don't tune out because you've heard the story before. If you look at the Bible with a fresh set of eyes, you will get something brand new. So today... Out of Daniel chapter 6, I'm going to read uh, 13 verses today. You guys ready to go? And I want to talk to you today about having a deliberate faith. And my, my subject matter today is would you rather. Daniel chapter 6, he's now 85, let's just say years old. It says that it pleased Darius, the current king of the, of the Medo Persian Empire. Two kingdoms came together that, at, that he actually put in his kingdom 120 satraps. They're the cousins of mousetraps kidding, make sure with me, satraps, to be over the whole kingdom. Over these, there was three governors, of whom Daniel was one. How many governors? So Daniel is top four highest government official in the most powerful nation in the world. He's in his 80s. And it says this, that of all of them, Daniel distinguished himself above everybody else, above the governors, above the satraps, because he had an excellent 
spirit. And it says the king even thought of setting him over the entire realm. What happens is there's a news leak. It actually was a wiki leak. Come on, somebody. And during the leak, it found out that this godly 80-plus-year-old Jewish man could become the next prime minister for King Darius. When it happened, because of jealousy and envy, which usually they collaborate most people's attacks. They come from jealousy and envy. No one's jealous of you or envious of you if you weren't doing anything. But when the church starts growing, when the, when the kingdom starts taking ground, that's when the eyes of the world want to criticize the kingdom. It was out of jealousy and it was out of envy that he was, they said he might become prime minister. It says after this, verse 4, so the governors got together with the satraps to bring a charge concerning Daniel and the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any fault found in him. The men said, look, there is no way we're going to have any charge against Daniel unless we can connect it to his relationship with God. So these governors and satraps thronged together, and the king, they came to the king, and they said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors, everyone in the kingdom, administrators, all of us, counselors, advisors, we've talked about this together. We think that a royal statute should be made, a firm decree, that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish a decree, signing it in writing, so that it cannot be changed. And it says that they did so. And the king signed it, and it was written decree. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, when he knew, when he what? Fully aware of the law. And by the way, can we just stop for a second and just thank God that our government doesn't have a lion's den? We've got some crazy stuff in America, but thank God that D.C. doesn't have, like, this big hole in the ground. 75 lions in there. Maybe we should. I don't know. Uh, it says this, that when he knew about the writing and it was signed, he went home. He went into his upper room. Now, let's love this phrase. It just, it, it, this phrase just struck a chord in my soul the last two weeks. With his windows open. With his windows open. It said, towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times a day. He prayed, gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since he was young. Verse 20, fast forward a few verses. So the king, because of this, has Daniel. They arrest him. The king loves Daniel, tries to find a loophole. But in that day and age, it wasn't a regular monarch. It was actually a monarch that was actually connected to this uh, basically de democratic arm, and so he couldn't undo, he couldn't find a loophole. So unfortunately, he has to throw his friend in the pit. It says that night the king fasted for Daniel. That night he was sleepless, not in Seattle, but in Babylon. And that night he would pray for his friend. And that night, after the morning took, took place, he walked in and he said this, verse 20, that he came in the morning and he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel saying, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, has he been able, say it with me, able, able, to deliver you from the lions? Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. Also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Verse 23, I love it. It fits into our series so well. Watch what it says. Now the king was exceedingly glad to him commanded that they should take Daniel out of the den. So when Daniel was taken up out of the den, there was no injury found on him anywhere because, because he believed in his God. He believed. Say with me, he believed. Who, who believes there's power in your belief? Everyone believes in something. Everyone's a theologian. Some people are just poor theologians. And today I want to talk to you on the subject matter of deliberate faith. And if you like a funner title, just write this down. Would you rather? i got 25 minutes. Lord, we love you. Speak to us today. I pray you'd reinforce a different, daring, deliberate faith that would stand the test of time. Lord, speak to us from your word. Heal bodies, touch hearts, change minds. Turn all of us all the way back to you. In Jesus' name we ask and we pray. God's people said a good amen. Would you rather, 
I would suggest to you parents on a road trip, that is a great three-word statement to uh, distract your kids. I've played this game since I was young. Would you rather? It's always interesting when you play this game. It always starts off funny and having a good time, lighthearted. But there's always someone that takes it too far. You know that sadistic friend that you had that doesn't get joy until you're, like, squirming? Everyone has someone like that in the group. It's that would you rather. They want to they terrify you with night sweats. I, I was thinking about, I just did some homework for you. I was looking up, just, you know, really studying hard for you this week. I was looking at would you rather scenarios. I read one that was like, would you rather go without shampoo or soap or without toothpaste for a year? That's pretty tough, man. I read one that said, would you rather have a big house, money in the bank, living in terrible weather, or live in California? (laughs) Would you rather be a clown that distracts the bull or the cowboy riding the bull? Pretty tough. Would would, Would you rather have a face that everyone laughs at or a name that everyone laughs at? That's the empathetic one right there. We have a lot of sensitive people here. Too mean. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, would you rather clog the toilet at your dream job interview or on your first date? <laughs> Tough crowd today. We're coming for you. Would you rather talk like Yoda or breathe like Darth Vader? Would you rather have a president that, that, that can't be coherently and speak or... I'm kidding. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. We'll keep, we'll keep going. So just, 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 just a joke. It's just a joke. It's a tough crowd. We are in Orange County. I uh, was thinking about Daniel. Daniel lives out literally the greatest would-you-rather scenario maybe of all time. Most would-you-rather scenarios end up usually with would-you-rather swim with great whites or end up in a lion's den. Only one human that's ever lived have said, yeah, I would. I know half of that scenario. And the crazy part that to me is a little bit ironically funny is that he didn't do it in his 20s like Samson. Didn't do it like one of the mighty men. He wasn't like, like, oh my gosh, uh, Benaiah jumping in a pit on a snowy day with a spear. He's falling into a pit in his 80s with his walker. This guy is not in the peak condition of his life. And the crazy part to me is that there are, th- there are liberal theologians that want to so domesticate the miracles of Scripture that they would believe something crazier than miracles themselves. I read this week that some liberal theologians believe that the reason why Daniel survived the den was because the lions weren't hungry. This one really got me. They said that he survived the den because he must have found a hole somewhere in the cave. You know, because you're so agile and fast. to get in that hole before the lions pounce on you. Or how about this one? They said maybe he found straw to hide underneath. That's that's legit. These are like PhD theologians. So smart they became stupid. I was like, look, man, I don't have a PhD other than prayer, healing, and deliverance. But I'll tell you this. If there's a filet mignon steak under some straw, I'm going to find that thing. I don't believe that. I believe that Daniel would say, look, I'd rather. He literally played would you rather with his life. Here is the would you rather scenario. Would you rather go quiet for 30 days? Or would you rather knowingly, intentionally, deliberately decide that you're going to continue to do what you've always done publicly? And this was the would you rather game that Daniel chose to to play. Daniel stood out because he had exceptional character. Daniel is what we're supposed to be in our day. Daniel had stability in a shaky world. Daniel had purity in a dirty society. Daniel had integrity in a shady world. He didn't cheat at work or at home. And I'm telling you, because of this, God promoted him over and over and over again. The crazy part is, is that it was the promotion that caused the persecution. Sometimes we think promotion will lead us to no problems. Oftentimes, come on, the great scholar of old Biggie Small said, more money, more problems. I think sometimes when you have more promotion, you have more persecution. He literally, look, they didn't care. 
He was top four most powerful person. It wasn't until they offered to make him number two that all of his persecutors started to come after him. I've learned that popularity will crucify more faith than persecution will. Most people would choose to be popular rather than to be persecuted. And I'm telling you that Daniel made up his mind. Even he was envied by his peers. And there is a difference between being envied and being jealous. Are you with me today? And I'm telling you, he was envied by his peers. But he had an unswervingly loyalty to his God. He consistently continued to cry out to God night and day. He stood near and came, came with his window open, face towards Jerusalem. And you can't imagine how furious these guys must have been that they've already destroyed your temple, but you're still bowing and praying to that direction? Symbolically, it was a type and shadow of lifting your prayer to God himself. To Jesus Christ, it was a foreshadowing of God himself. The temple's torn down, but God, you will rebuild again. And as he prayed towards that direction, the only thing his enemies knew they could accuse him of was his loyalty to God. Let it be said of us that the only thing a government could find against us would be a severe loyalty to our God. Can I get an amen? Daniel is from a royal race and royal character. He had an excellent spirit. He gets promoted heavily. It's interesting, I was reading an article this last week. Reminded me of Daniel, but the article said the biggest problems in our society today, number one, systemic racism. Number two, global warming. Number three, white supremacy. I personally believe all of these are wrong. The greatest threat right now is our government. Not only our government, but any government that tries to enforce their, their policies on our freedoms. Are you hearing me? On our beliefs. Notice what the Bible says, Romans 13. It says this, that the government's job is supposed to restrain evil and do good. Do you know when governments start to be corrupt? When they stop restraining evil and they stop doing good. When the opposite occurs, societies begin to enter into decadence. That is exactly what's happening right now. In 6,000 years of history, what's happening right now has happened like 17 times. What happens is, is you go through prosperity, you go into this, this, uh, this launching of independence, of prosperity, of education, of knowledge, and knowledge puffs up, and what happens is we get so blessed we don't need God anymore, and we start neglecting the things that made us great to begin with. And before every, listen to me, every great civilization, Mongolian Empire, Persian Empire, Babylonian Empire, Roman Empire, are you hearing me today? None of them died by murder. All of them died by suicide. It was because the society would cave in on themselves when they pushed God out. We are on the border, ladies and gentlemen, of the same thing happening in our day. How do you know? Because you can celebrate anything but God. And if you want to know who's in power, find out who you can't talk bad about. Write that down. You put that in your philosophical pipe and smoke that. Listen to me. I'm telling you today that two years ago they said we can't meet at church. We can't pray at church. We can't sing at church. I'm like, we sing all the time, especially when God does miracles. I'm at church and I'm singing. We're at church and we're singing. We're living in a wild window of time. Like Daniel, we've got to make up our minds what we will and what we won't do. I want to remind you that it, oftentimes it is government-enforced mandates that actually beheaded, took the head off of Paul. It caused Isaiah to be sawn in two. It caused Peter to be crucified upside down. And it caused an 83- or 85-year-old man to be thrown into a lion's den. I know we're not there yet. I'm not even saying we're going to get there. But I, wanna, I just felt burdened and I felt urgency that if God today, if we were in a scenario like Daniel, they said, you go quiet for 30 days with your faith or we're going to throw you in a lion's den, I think most people would choose the 30 days to flatten the curve. I want you to know at Ocean Church, we're not going to flatten the curve ever again. We will never shut this church down again. I don't care what happens in California. I made up my mind. Can I get an amen from someone with some faith today? He made up his mind. And here is the Daniel dilemma. Do you want to know what the Daniel dilemma is? Will I be loyal to Yahweh or will I obey a sinful government? 
what will you do? And I'm telling you that everyone will be tested. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Things are shaking right now. And I'm okay with shaking as long as I know who's doing the shaking. I believe that God is shaking lukewarm out of the church. I believe he's shaking half-hearted Christianity out of the church. You're either shaking in or you're shaking. And that's why you either love a church like this or you're like, I will never go there again. I'm happy with that. As far as I can tell, God's happy with that. He said, burn hot or burn cold, just don't be in the middle. That's where we're at. It's a Daniel dilemma. I want you to know that we will always honor the government until the, the government asks us to dishonor God. It happened in the old covenant. It happened in the new covenant. In Acts chapter 4, they said, you can't preach in that name. You can't sing in that name. You can't meet in that name. And they're like, uh, Acts 4.20, <laughs> we can't help but to speak the things that we've seen, the things that we have heard. Can I get an amen? They're like, you're not shutting us up. They said, who's it better, to obey God or to obey man? And I'm not, this is not a uh, permission to be rebellious for the sake of rebellion. This is, I will honor the government and pray for my leaders until they tell me to dishonor my God. And if I choose between God and my president, you better believe, my, my loyalty goes to the throne of grace, not to the White House. Can I get an amen one more time up in this place? I feel some courage rising in the church. I know we don't talk like this today. I know you get booed out of some counties today. You get booed out of some colleges today. I spoke at a Christian college this week, and I could feel this awkwardness in there because even our Christian universities are going so woke that they would prefer to tolerate things and deconstruct. I want you to know that those are the most passionate. The people that are the most passionate about deconstructing the Bible are the ones that refuse to be changed by it. You either make a God in your image... And he works for you. Or you worship a God that you're made in his image. And you work for him. There is no middle ground, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you right now that like the days of old, there was instigators. They were part of constitutional monarchy. Not like a normal monarchy. The king couldn't change the edict. They were jealous of Daniel's favor. They were jealous of an 83 or 85-year-old Jewish man. So jealous that they were willing to actually envy and, and we're jealous of him. Envy is wanting what someone else has. Jealousy is resenting what someone else has. And listen to me, none of those things, envy or jealousy, are fruits of the Holy Spirit. Church, Orange County, hear me. We're not jealous of other people. If God blesses somebody else in your neighborhood, if God blesses your neighbor, I always tell people that God's in your neighborhood. And maybe if you have a good attitude, that blessing will come on your life. Envy and jealousy are not fruits of the Spirit. I want to remind you, the only one you're keeping up with is not the Smiths or the Jones. You're competing against yourself. To be who God's called you to be. To steward the gifts that God has given you. Can I get an amen? Sorry. feel like preaching today a little bit. Well, Mark, it's just so bad out there. Well, it's going to get bad. But the promise of Scripture, you read Matthew 13, it says that the wheat and the weeds will grow together. Do you know what that means? It means darkness will get darker, light will get lighter, the church will get greater as the world is getting more wicked. But at the end of the age, he says, I'll separate the weeds from the wheat. He says the weeds will go into the fire and the wheat will go into the barn. We're headed for the barn, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? Yeah, we're headed for the barn. And I just, I want to remind you that Daniel made up his mind. Because here's why we know Daniel was envied and he was jealous. Because any people group that celebrates a pluralism will never tolerate someone like us that believes there is one way. Plural, pluralism only tolerates other pluralists. That's why they hated Daniel. Every time he got on his knees three times a day, prayed towards Jerusalem, he was reminding those that believe there's multiple ways. Multiple gods that we should throw a coexist sticker on the back of our Subaru. Call it a good day. All religions are pretty much the same. We all kind of pray to the same God. It's just, you know, one's Allah and one's Buddha and one's Muhammad. No, 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 no. There's one way. Jesus didn't say I'm a way. He says I'm the way. Jesus is either crazy, he's, he's either a deceiver, the greatest of all time, or he is what he claims to be. He never claimed to be a prophet alone. He said if you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. He said crazy stuff like, before Moses, 
I am. They're like, dude, you're 33. He never claimed to be a way. Well, I think he's a good moral teacher. No, no, he's more than a moralist. Are you hearing me today? But the problem is we want to domesticate the God that we worship so that we can we get him to work for us in our image. That's not the way it works, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why many churches lack power and there's no fire on those altars. Yeah, feel like preaching today. What we know is they came to Daniel and they said, look, dude, we want to flatten the curve for 30 days. We want you to stay quiet. Everyone that prays for 30 days, anyone. And I'm just going to be very honest with you. I thought about this long and hard. If anyone had a pass, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. If anyone had a pass to say, I'm going to take a 30-day breather, at least publicly. It was a guy that served his entire ministry in captivity. For 70 years, he was faithful. 70 years, he prayed three times a day. And I would just like to actually point out something you've probably never thought about before. It takes a lot of effort to walk to your house three times a day to pray from your job. He would, I'm going to guess that he probably had more things to do than you and I did. He was the fourth most powerful man in the world. But somehow, even in his 80s, he would leave, he would walk to work, work all day, leave work, come back, get on his knees at 85 years old. Pray towards Jerusalem. Get up, walk back to work, serve the king, come back after work at night, as he did three times a day. This is inconvenience. This is effort. This is tough. But notice that for 30 days, he could have easily just said, you know what, I've been doing this my whole life. I'll just take a pass. But I want you to know that I think that Daniel teaches us, and this is what I thought God wanted to breathe on today, just speak on today, is number one, we have to be deliberate with our difficulties. I don't know how crazy it's going to get in California, but I'm here for it. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 years, but I'm here for it. I, don't, I want you to know that God, I believe, is asking his church to say, will you intentionally decide, deli be deliberate on how you're going to respond in difficulty? I'm not prophesying doom and gloom. I believe that God can bring revival. I believe there could be a window of grace. I believe that he's done it historically, and he can do it today. Anyone believe that? But I want you to also know that he never stopped praying. His integrity, let's call them holy habits. His holy habits didn't stop when times got tough. He could have taken a month off, could have shut things down for a long time, but the Bible says that a righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. Proverbs 20, verse 7. I believe that if you pray, he could have easily said, I'm going to pray in my heart. I'll take the month off. I've been faithful for 70 years. I've impacted four kings and two empires. I, I deserve a break. But you know what Daniel realized? That prayerfulness was the source of his strength. And if I was to forsake God in prayer, I would forsake the purpose of my life. I actually believe that he, he, he realized when he went to his house to pray three times that day in his 80s, he made up his mind, maybe the lion's den is the will of God. And I wonder if there's anybody in here that says, maybe the will of God is to go into some lion's dens. Listen to me. When I lived on a country court in Idaho, of all places, at a nice house that someone built to us, built for us at a cheap price, and I had a, I had a great life, and God says, I want you to move to California, start a church. It was almost like God inviting us back into the lion's den. I spent 18 years of my life in L.A. County. I didn't want to come back to Southern California. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather be uncomfortable in the will of God than completely comfortable outside of it difficulties. He knew where the strength came from. And I want you to know, as far as I can tell, he realized that prayer was essential. If the strip clubs are open, liquor stores are open, church prayer meetings are going to be open. Amen. Good preaching. He wasn't going to be just deliberate with his, with his uh, difficulties. He was going to be deliberate with his decisions. You guys still with me today? Notice that he had three options. Take 30 days off. Or how about this? Close the windows. I thought, man, you could still pray three times a day. Just do it with the windows shut. But it would seem that Daniel had a conviction that I would rather die with a conviction than to live without it. He had this deep-rooted conviction that my life has always been windows open faith. You know what windows in the Bible represented? They represented where the secular met the sacred. 
If you look at Genesis, the very first story of windows is in the ark. The ark was the church. It was a type and shadow of the church. The windows separated the outside world from the inside. Are you hearing me today? When Noah wanted to find out if the, if the judgment of God was over, he sent a bird out of the went out of the window. The first bird was a raven. The raven went out, went to and fro. It was comfortable because the, the raven represents humanity's fallen nature. It's an unclean bird that represents our flesh. But he doesn't send a raven out the second time. He sends a dove. And the dove represents the spirit of God. And when the dove goes out over the world, you know what happens? He found no place to rest. You know why? Because the spirit of God in you does not find peace in a dark place. That's why when you taste and see how good God is, you can't go back to your old life and enjoy it. Peter, I dare you to go back to fishing. You'll never enjoy it again. Didn't catch anything all night, did you, John 21? Why didn't you catch anything? Because you're called to catch men, not fish anymore. And whenever you try to retreat to who you were before God got a hold of you, you will never find rest for your spirit, for your soul. The reason why some of you are depressed is because you used to serve God. And somewhere along the way, you tried to live by yourself, for yourself. Try to build your own kingdom. Are you hearing me today? I'm sorry, I feel fire. Found no place to rest. And the dove came back, back in the window. And the second time he sent the dove out, you know what happened? He brought back an olive branch. The olive branch represented the anointing. And you know when we can go back into the world and have an impact? is when we have the anointing of God. David said the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hands. I believe that windows were significant because they separated the sacred from the secular. They still do today. In Acts chapter 20, there's a story of a guy named Eutychus. Probably one of the funniest stories in the book of Acts. Why is it funny? Because he fell out of a church window during the greatest preacher of his generation because he fell asleep at a window, falls three stories to his death, and the only funny part of the story is this, is Eutychus means lucky. So let me translate it for you. Greatest church service on the earth, and when the kid falls out of the window and dies, someone had to give up to Paul and say, Paul, great preaching. There's a kid that just died. Lucky is no longer lucky. You know how lucky he fell out of the window? Because windows separate the outside from the inside. You know what windows do? It's where hot air and cold air collide. I find most people, they want enough of Jesus to go to heaven, but not enough of his spirit to be transformed on earth. That's window Christianity. It's lukewarm at best. Windows is why Eutychus fell out and died because he lived at the window. And I love the fact that Daniel, third window person, someone come up with the keys, I'm almost finished. Third window person we read about is Daniel. And Daniel could have easily gone home. He knew it was, would you rather live, go quiet for 30 days, or would you rather keep your windows open and be thrown into a lion's den? And in his 80s, he chooses lion, I mean, I'm just, come on. I'm like, how many Christians today would choose a lion's den over 30 days of shutting down your faith? I have a conviction that God is once again inviting his church back into a faith that is like Daniel that says, I will not flatten any curve. I'm going to stand. I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray. I'm going to raise my kids in the things of God. And the only sexual education my kids are going to get is that boys and girls have cooties. Can I get an amen? I know I'm kicking some sacred cows, but the fact that we're nervous to tell the truth in public shows us how far we've slid. I'm deliberate with the difficulty. I'm deliberate with my decision. I don't care if I die. As far as I can tell, I would rather die a shorter life in the will of God than live a long life outside of it. Daniel would model what it looks like to live in Babylon but not bow. And I often wonder, why would you have such faith to go into a lion's den? I, I think he had a little bit of a, head, a heads up on this. His best friends walked with Jesus in a furnace. So he had like a little bit of extra faith, right? Like they're like, stop praying or you're going to die in a lion's den. He's like, dude, pfft, would you rather? 
fiery furnace? 10,000 degrees? Burning the, the, the soldiers that dropped you off in it? Or would you rather be in a den full of lions? He's like, well, my buddies and Jesus. Nebuchadnezzar said, I see four men in the fire. So Daniel knew, he's like, dude, if God could go in the fire, he'd go in the den. Same God that delivers out of the furnace. Certainly, can. if fire's no match for Jesus, lions are no match for Jesus. I don't know. I just think we're living in a day and age that right now, the world we're in, government, I don't know what's going to happen this month, government mandates. I just know that the Bible says that when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? I believe there's an intentional attack on society, civilization right now, to destroy our foundation, especially the godly foundations that, in which this nation was formed. Religious freedom. We know some of this stuff is crazy. I read a report from John Hopkins that said the lockdowns didn't do anything to help. They're talking about doing this stuff again. Two weeks to spread the curve, or to, to stop the curve. And it turned into two years of controlling our lives. Listen to me very clearly today, ladies and gentlemen. I know this is getting deep. But the fear, a fearful society will always comply. One of the greatest generals in Hitler's army said this, panicking people will believe anything. You know the main pandemic has been the last two years? It's been a pandemic of fear. If I can scare you enough, I can push you into anything. But I'm just telling you today, it's better to die with a conviction than to live with a compromise. And as far as I can tell, I'm making up my mind, and my prayer is that our church will make up our minds, that we will live with our God-given conviction than to actually exist with a bunch of compromise. It's deliberate. Amen? And when we have a deliberate faith in difficulty, and we make up our mind deliberately in our decisions, you got to make up your mind to be a virgin before you have a girlfriend and before you're in the backseat of a car. There are some decisions you have to make before you get there. Make up your mind what you're going to do with your finances before you have a lot of money. You're going to make up your mind who you're going to be in the house of God before you're in that position in the house of God. Deliberate decisions. And I believe that if we'll, do, if we'll make deliberate decisions about deliberate difficulties, third, and I'll, I'll wrap this up, that God wants us to be deliberate in our deliverance. I believe that God allowed discarded friendships. You might have trends that turn their back on you. Popularity might vacate your following. But I love the fact that Daniel didn't care. He made up his mind. You know what the funny part was? Is everyone thought Daniel was a loser for about 12 hours. This poor guy. He was a local legend. Headline, Babylonian News said, Daniel, ex-great leader in our nation, thrown into a lion's den for treason. And everyone thought the joke was on Daniel. And the very instigators of Daniel, ironically, to the, theolo to the liberal theologian's demise, they were the ones that were thrown into the pit. When Daniel got out, the Bible says that they took the people that accused Daniel and their families, which isn't mean. It, was, it, is mean, it is mean, but it was mean because but it was the law. The same law that caused the king not to be able to get Daniel out of the pit was the same law that required if you sin in your family, everyone in your family was killed. Same law. And so when these guys sinned against Daniel, their entire family was thrown in the pit. It says before they even got to the bottom of the pit, the, the lions destroyed them. So apparently the lions were hungry. They didn't find the straw hideout. I want you to know today as we wrap this up is God wants us to decide. I'm telling you right now, I'm not living for the approval of men. I'm not going to be crooked in my generation. I want to be like Daniel and pursue God aimed at Jerusalem, aimed at Jesus himself. It says to have a good name is better than wealth. It's better than gold. It's better than honor to have a good name like Daniel. And I'm just telling you right now, he had to play the would you rather game. Would you rather die by a lion attack or would you rather or would you rather be quiet with your faith? And Daniel chose a lion's den over a quiet, windowless Christianity. 
You know what I have to love about Daniel is he could have prayed with his window shut, but where the secular met the sacred, he was public. If no one in your office knows that you're a Christian, you're probably not. I believe God is looking for men and women that stop being prouder about their Pinterest ingredient recipes than they are about the God they worship. We're quick to share restaurants. We're quick to share movie recommendations. But when was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you invited somebody to church? Last I can tell, God wants us to burn more for what's eternal, what's temporal. You guys give me a couple more minutes. I love it's a premeditated decision. He's not waiting until he got into the furnace to decide. He's not waiting until he got into the den to decide. Daniel was making up his mind that at the window, I will have an open devotion to God. So many people in Hollywood say, I can't even be open about my faith. I won't get jobs. I won't get projects. I would rather make less money and hold my convictions intact. I would rather make less commissions. Easy for you to say. No, no, I, I believe God will bless you. I believe God can bless you. And I believe that God will use you in a unusual way. The problem is we all pray this prayer, Lord, make me, make me great so I can make a difference for you. But we want to go into an environment and be the exact same is all the white godless noise that's already there. God will make you different first. He'll make you stand out. Amen? Isaiah was cut in two. Peter was crucified upside down. John was thrown in boiling oil. And we know that even Daniel himself was thrown into a lion den, lion's den. And sometimes God delivers miraculously. And sometimes he delivers by death itself. And I'm just wanna, I want to remind you today, I don't know where America's going. I know that God will make it without America. America probably won't make it without God. But as far as I can tell, whether, whether we have godly leadership or we don't, we got to make up our minds to be a godly church. Amen. Bonhoeffer died about my age, changed the world, was a German preacher, came from an elite family in Germany, and while the Nazis were trying to take out the Jews, he was one of the only pastors of his day that was saying to Germany, this is wrong. And when Bonhoeffer gets arrested in the middle of his church service, he is famously known and, and, and remembered for citing this at the end of getting arrested in front of his church. As they took him away, he said, this might be the end of some, but this is only the beginning for me. And I believe that God is looking for men and women that are willing to not only live for their faith, but men and women that are willing to die for their faith. And I said it. Where are the Christians that are willing to go all the way in? Where are the Christians that say, look, I don't know what the end is, but I'm going to serve God. I want to be faithful until the end. Amen. I feel like preaching today. Anybody want to be faithful to the Lamb? Let me just drop one more bomb and we'll wrap this up. Don't you believe for a second that you will give God your life if you don't tithe. Don't believe God for a second that you'll give God your life, but you've never gone to a small group. You come to church twice a year, I would die for my faith. No, you wouldn't. You'd have a barcode on your forehead. If you won't go all in with the little things now, you will not give your life when they say lion's den or stop praying. So my prayer would be today is, all right, if we're going to have a different faith, if we're going to have a daring faith, let's make up our minds now to have a deliberate. I know I'm offending some people today, but I kind of like offending people with truth. We say it a lot at Ocean's Church, but I would rather offend you with the truth than to comfort you with lies. I want you to know that people offend you with truth don't hate you. It's the people that comfort you with lies. Those are the ones that hate you. And if you're a Christian that prefers comfort with lies than offense with truth, you actually hate yourself. God is raising up a fire church. He's raising up believers that aren't not half in, half out, worried about what the world's going to say. We're losing universities because we're scared of what the world says. We have too many we have too many boards and trustees trying to navigate in the name of tolerance. We, we can't offend anybody. Listen to me. The gospel will cut you before it cures you. We want a domesticated Jesus without teeth. 
We want a gospel that just makes us feel good but doesn't transform us. I'm being very, very honest with you today. God's truth will cut before it cures. And if we're not up for that, man, we're going we're, we're gonna to die like all these other these, these organizations and churches. The churches that are shutting their doors are the churches that are deconstructing. The churches that are adding tents are the ones saying, look, I don't care if everybody else is deconstructing. We're hanging on to truth. I don't care if I get arrested. You might see your boy writing letters like Paul and Peter from prison. I would rather write my sermons from prison if they're going to arrest me for saying things in the Bible. We're not unhitching from this book. Can I get a good amen in Orange County? I'll wrap up with this today. There's a church in the South that wrote this phrase. I just loved it. He said, wake up, sing up, preach up, pray up, but never give up. Never let up. Never back up. Never shut up. Till the cause of Christ in the church in this world is built up. I believe that's what God is looking for in our day and age. Would you rather die with your conviction or live with your compromise? And I think that's the question that Daniel answers for all of us. I'm not in any way enlisting martyrs today. I'm not asking you to be stupid or rebellious for the name of stupidity or rebellion, to be mean-spirited to people in the name of truth. I'm just saying I do think this message feels strong today because there is such an absence of truth in the church today. We're 100% grace, and we're about 2% truth. And the problem with our generation is we are over-mothered and under-fathered. We have men and women that have been loved to death but never disciplined. Are you hearing me today? And when you are over-mothered and under-fathered, you know what happens? Men get angry, women get promiscuous. That's what happens when you don't have a dad. And I believe God the Father wants to come into the church and say, I am full of grace, but make no mistake about it, I am also full of truth. Grace doesn't give excuses. Amen? It gives power. God's calling His church higher. Amen? Why don't you stand your feet today? I know it's a strong word, but I was deliberate about it. Would you rather? Would you rather? Would you rather? Can I ask you a question today? How many feel today, you just feel like God's knocking on your heart today saying, He's just asking you today. He's saying, will you be deliberate with your difficulties? How many are facing some difficulties right now and you say, I want to be deliberate? It's very easy to honor God with money when you have lots of it. It's easy to honor God when you have lots of, lots of fame and lots of popularity, but will you, what will you do when life squeezes you? What will you do when your calendar gets tight? It's easy to take your kids to youth church when there's nothing going on and there's no sports and there's no activities, but what will you do when the schedule gets full? Will you cut God out to accommodate sports and entertainment, or will you actually be willing to cut out some of the entertainment to keep your kids in the house of God? I want to be very honest, Orange County, education and sports without God just makes more athletic, educated devils. I want my kids to serve Jesus. The likelihood of your kids playing in the NBA, the NHL, aren't, aren't super high. But the likelihood of your kids being in eternity for heaven couldn't be high. I want to make sure we make the house of God a priority. Can I get an A? I know it's getting quiet up in here today, but... I don't know why, I just feel this. Some of you are so blessed, but don't get so blessed that you're blessed out of the church. Your kids won't remember what you said, they'll remember what you did. If you go to church four times a year and you want your kids to serve God full time, they won't. I was a youth pastor for 17 years, and I'll be very honest parents, the ones that prioritize school and sports, those are the ones that their kids got degrees, they got scholarships, they went to the Ivy League universities, they lost their faith in the process. Don't push education and don't push sports at the expense, hear me clearly, at the expense of prioritizing God. I've met with too many parents that were crying, go, Pastor Mark, my kid, my kid doesn't believe in God anymore, and my daughter's lesbian, and this, that, and the other, and this all happened because, I'll be very honest, because you were a Christian in name, but not in the rhythm of your life. You gotta make God a priority. Your kids have to see it. 
I know this is strong. But I feel like if we're going to go strong today, let's just go real strong. Is that all right? The St. Bud Light. Can I get an amen? Let's fend some more people. Can you close your eyes for me today? Ask this question. Say, God, today, what do you want me to make up my mind in? How many feel like there's a difficulty you want to decide today that in the difficulty, I'm going to go after God in the difficulty. I'm going to invite God. I would rather have a conviction with God than to have no have, have compromise without God. How many feel like that today? Put your hand up. Yep, up and yep, that's me, that's me, that's me. And down. Secondly, how many feel like God's inviting you today to make a decision before you get to a challenging spot, before you get tempted, before you take corrupt money, before you make money with a corrupt livelihood, before you cheat, steal, do something uh, that God doesn't want you to do. How many feel like God's asking you today, make up your mind in the tents? And by the way, if you can't change your mind in the house of God before you do something wrong, where can God get your attention? This is the place God alters us. So all over the tents, they say, Mark, I want to decide today. I want to make up my mind that I'm going to do what God wants me to do not what culture wants me to do. Would you pop your hand up? I'm going up today, I'm going up today, I'm going up today. And finally, lastly, if you're here today and you say, Mark, I'm in a challenge right now, but I'm going to trust God to deliver. He's going to deliver physically, mentally, spiritually. There's miracles going to break out next five, ten minutes of this service. We'll wrap up before one o'clock. If you're here today and you want to invite God to deliver, would you put your hands up all over, all over. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a, man, I'm in a pit. Man, I'm in a struggle, I'm in a furnace. I'm in, a, I'm in a bit of a pickle right now, but I'm inviting God in. If you raise your hand in any of those three areas, I want you to be a favor. You don't have to come all the way to the front, but I want you to take like two steps at least closer to the front. Just a few steps, a few steps. If you want to come to the front, you can. We're going to sing one song, but if you raise your hand, I believe this today, God is inviting you to deliberately invite him into the difficulty, into the decision, and into the deliverance. You guys ready to go? God, we give you all the glory today. You need to touch from heaven today. Lift your hands. Lord, today we just declare that you can do anything. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God can, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. I pray today in Jesus' name, our God can, and our God will. And so I pray today, whether it's cancer, I pray if it's diabetes, I pray if it's onslaught of Alzheimer's, I pray if it's Parkinson's, I pray today this will be a Sunday of miracles. We're praying for the broken heart. I pray for those that have a birth defect in their heart, in their lungs. I pray you would straighten out spines. I pray that you would heal sciaticas. I pray today that you would give feeling to the areas that have gone numb. And I pray that you would open up the barren womb. Who believes that God still does miracles today? So if you need a miracle today, you either need a miracle or you need to break loose from an addiction. Or maybe you have a broken heart today. I want you to lift your hands. It doesn't make you weird. It makes you honest. I need a miracle. I need to get free from something. Or I just need a touch from God. One of those three areas. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. If someone's hands up next to you. I want you to put your hand on their shoulder. If your neighbor has their hand up, you can grab their hand. But we're going to pray as a family at Ocean's Church. We're a family. We fight for each other, not with each other. So if you grab their hand right now, we're going to pray for them. I want you to pray this prayer in faith. Say, Jesus, today, in your name, we declare top of their head to the bottom of their feet. We declare the life, the love, and the power to heal, set free, and deliver in Jesus' name. Gifts of healings, working of miracles, as we pray the prayer of faith. In Jesus' name, we don't beg, we believe. And if you believe today, come on, say a good amen. Give God a five-second five hand clap, shout, hey! I know there's always, there's always doubt intense and always doubt in meetings like this. But I remember Smith Wigglesworth saying this. He said, you'll never pray the prayer of faith by looking or focusing on the impossibility. 
There is something about fixing your attention on the can of God, not the can of men. And that's what we do when we pray for each other. We're not focusing on our, our limitations. We're focusing on God's limitlessness. Does that make sense? Just sludge that word out, but limitlessness. Amen? So I want to wrap this up today. God's touching, healing. Last thing we do before I let you out of here, I know there's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage negotiation, so I want to get you out of here. But listen, before I dismiss, if you're here today and you say, Mark, I, I want to get right. I want to give my life to God. Do you know that last service, there was 20 people in this tent? 20 in this tent, last service. That like Desmond, they, they were either in 10%, 20%, gave God 50%. Maybe atheists that said, I've never experienced God, but some of you have been crying in your seat the last 20 minutes. That is not, that's not pepper spray in our smoke machines. That's the presence of God. And if God can make your tear ducts cry, and if God can make electricity flow through your body, I wonder what He could do with your life. So I'm asking today, be very, I'm not, I'm not apologizing about this. The greatest decision you'll ever make is turning away from who you were and turning your life totally to Jesus. Giving him the keys to your life. I don't care if you're a witch today. I have faith there's a witch in here that you're going to give your life to Jesus Christ right now. I feel faith. There is a power in these tents that you've never tasted, you've never felt, you've never seen. And God is going to get a hold of your heart right now feeling in here today when revival breaks out man one of my friends churches he was a youth pastor in in revival in in texas they had the leader of the ku klux klan randomly show up he got radically saved this guy gets disciple ends up becoming best friends with their elder that was black and god would do a story in this mega church in dallas that would touch that era in the 80s so listen i, I feel faith today in these tents that God's writing some radical testimonies. If you're here and you're ready to turn to God, you've given God 10%, 90%, 80%, or you've never given God anything, but God's knocking at your heart. If you're ready to go in or go all the way in, eyes closed, heads bowed, I'll give you three seconds. I want you to raise your hand. I'm giving my life to Jesus now. One, hands are going up all over. Yeah, that's me. Two, more hands are going up. This is the day of salvation. Real high right now. Three, real high, real high, yeah, real high, real high. I see five hands, six hands, seven hands, real high. Eight hands, anybody else? Anybody else back to nine, yeah, 10, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 11, anybody else? 11, 11, 11. You're watching online, you can write heart, H-E-A-R-T. There's a couple over here that just raised their hand together. I thought there's a couple couples today that you're doing this together. I saw even some of you are like, hey, we're not married yet, and we're going to stop sleeping together until we get married. I see radical decisions being made today. That I did it in ignorance, but I'm not going to do it in obedience. It's rewriting stories in here. Feel something. There's a, there's a Clint and a Howard here today. God's healing you. I don't even think you've raised your hand yet, but you're supposed to raise your hand. Clint or Howard, you're supposed to go all in today. God's going to heal you. There's something wrong in your chest. It's going to save your soul today. I think there's four more people that you didn't raise your hand, but you were supposed to, including, I think, one of the ladies I was talking about. If you're here today and you're like, Mark, I haven't given my life to Jesus, but he's knocking today, I just want to encourage you, don't miss the bus. We don't know when the bus is going to come around again. This might be the last stop you have before you enter into eternity. Don't miss this stop. Close your eyes real quick. Four more. I didn't raise my hand, but I was supposed to. You feel like you're going to have cardiac arrest. Your heart is thumping out of your chest. Yeah, that's God. Go ahead and raise your hand right now. That's, I didn't raise my hand, but I was supposed to. There's one. Raise it for eyes closed. Two. Thank you. It's two. Real high, real high, real high, real high, real high. There's three. Anybody else? One more. Is it over there? Four? All right, four. There we go. There we go. There we go. Four, yeah. 
It's three, four. Yeah. All right. We're good. Let's pray this prayer. Oceans, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I invite you. I deliberately declare you are the God of my life. Forgive me. Heal me. And give me courage to live for you with no compromise. Today, I invite you. Lead me. Guide me. Heal me. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. I ask you for a great church. I ask you for a love for the Bible. And I ask you for Christian friends that know you better than I do. In Jesus' name. You prayed that prayer. Welcome to the family. Come on, let's give them a good hand clap today. I love you.